Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season, we're chatting with people from different walks of life to hear their story and how God has been faithful throughout. So walk your dog, milk a cow, do whatever you need to do, and enjoy today's episode. Today on the podcast, we're talking with Lauren Corson, who is a mom, a wife, and an all-around wonderful lady. She and her husband own and run a dairy farm, and they have four sweet kiddos. Lauren is a former teacher and is a worship leader at her church. She is lovely, and you're going to be enriched by this conversation, so enjoy. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show, officially, Lauren. We're very excited to have you. It's been been a while coming and your brother Brad will probably be a little bit upset that I had you on before him but but I can understand why why you'd have me on before him (laughs) no that I'm joking I do I love him and if I'm ever sarcastic in this like if I say something and you're like oh that sounds rude it's probably because I'm being sarcastic so doesn't always come across but we you just you just gotta know so uh tell us a bit about yourself and what life looks for you right now yeah, so I just turned 32. I am a wife to um, a really Dutch man. His name is Hilbert. Sometimes people always, well, actually every time we say what his name is, people always ask for clarification, like what? Yeah, so it's Hilbert. And um, we have four kids, ages seven, six, like my one daughter's birthday is actually today, and three and almost one. We had a pandemic baby last April, beginning of last April. And we dairy farm. Um, so that kind of like really structures like our days because our life really revolves around our farm schedule and our cows. And um, not that I, I'm not really involved with the cows. Um, my husband is like pretty much the one that manages and takes care of that aspect of it. But um yeah, and we're currently renovating our house, and my son just went, my son and three-year-old daughter just went back to daycare, so we're like in a season of transition, and yeah, things just seem to be changing from being really not busy to all of a sudden like, oh, wow, we have commitments and things to get <laughs> up for in the morning, so. You forget what that's like to be like, wow, I actually have things planned in my day. Like, I remember when I started putting things back in my calendar again after lockdown, and I'm like, this is so strange. Yes. It's, like, really exciting at first, and then all of a sudden by the third day, it's like, oh, yeah, I just want to go back to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But good. Commitment's good. Things to get up for is really good. Mm -hmm. When you were younger, what did you think your life would look like? Yeah, so, like, I was, like, a super big dreamer um I don't know if you guys have talked much about like the Enneagram I've recently like come to know that I'm an Enneagram four and that just means like I'm they call that like the individualist or the romantic and I'm not really necessarily a romantic person but when I was younger now looking back I'm like oh yeah totally like I like romanticized what life would be like I thought it would be like so incredible like for sure I was gonna be famous and um I probably like be a famous musician or actress like I, my mom had this big mirror in her room my mom and dad and I remember they had like this chair in front of it and I would sit in the chair and like pretend to do interviews with myself like I was on a talk show like Oprah or Rosie O'Donnell I don't know if you remember the Rosie O'Donnell show maybe you guys are too young for that I know who she is okay she had this talk show um 
and she'd in- interview celebrities and like I thought for sure like that was going to be me someday um hasn't happened yet but um yeah I thought life would be really great and then as I moved into high school I was like oh I'm gonna like grow up and I'm gonna be like a lawyer and I'm gonna like live downtown Toronto or somewhere like really important or abroad and I'm gonna um do like immigration law and like help all these people all around the world and I'm gonna have like all the kids I want by 30 and I'm probably gonna have like a house cleaner and a personal chef and like a mansion and have visited like 15 countries by the time I'm fifth by the time I'm 30 and yeah um also didn't come to fruition but (laughs) 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 um yeah I was a dreamer I guess that's so funny. I like love hearing that. I was going to ask you because when you started to talk and you're like, I'm a dreamer. And I was like, I think Lauren's an Enneagram four. So <laughs> Jen and I are both like mild fans of the Enneagram. We're not like super, super into yeah. it, but like whatever. So I'm a three wing two and she's a two wing three, I think. So yeah, I found like more like a neat tool to like learn a bit about myself, but mm-hmm. it's not like I dearly to it yeah mm-hmm. there's certain things about the Enneagram that I find really helpful I think the thing I like most about the Enneagram versus other stuff is that a, it's popular so lots of people know their type and because it's only nine numbers not like I feel like Myers-Briggs is too confusing and right. I, I don't, I don't know <laughs> they tell me their type and I'm like I have not one clue what that <laughs> means at all and so when someone says they're a four I can get a picture a little yeah. bit so I like that about the Enneagram but um that's interesting um, so tell us a little bit about how you connect with God. Right. Okay. So when I, when I agreed to be on this podcast, I was like, oh, wow, this will probably be like really fun and we'll laugh a lot. And they'll like, ask me maybe what I'm cooking for dinner. I don't know. Why would they want me on this? And then I got the questions. And I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I need to like really sit and think about these. Um, but it was very good. I love talking about, like, I love being honest. I love vulnerability um so I'm pretty much an open book I think but going back to your question how do I connect with God so um I've always connected to God through music I um whether it's singing listening to music um worshiping at church or different events um and definitely I've grown in this but like I used to think that I would really need to connect to God through, like, emotions. So, like, you know, typical, like, you're in youth group, you go to a conference, and, like, they turn the lights down low, and, like, the music gets slow and sentimental, and someone says something, like, super convicting, and then you, like, start bawling your eyes out, and um, those are very good moments, and I think those were very formative for me, but I think moving as I like entered adulthood or young adulthood I thought why don't I feel that way all the time like why am I not always like connecting to God like why doesn't it always feel so much like this or why don't I always feel so much closeness and I've really been growing in the sense that like connecting to God is also like a discipline and being disciplined in that and regardless of my emotions and my sentiments and my feelings or where I'm at in the day or the year God still remains and God is still faithful and God is who he is. He doesn't like waver or change. And um, so being more disciplined in that, like connecting with God when I don't feel like connecting with God, reading his word when I don't feel like reading his word. So I'm really trying to become like more of a disciplined person and realizing I don't need to always connect through emotions. And of course, um, now still music, like 
because like my house is kind of crazy with four kids and they're all fairly young um and my husband's schedule is kind of like really opposite of most people's like nine to five schedule I um I find I get these moments where like maybe all the kids are in bed or they're playing outside or they're with him for some reason and the house is quiet and I kind of like walk by my piano and I'm like oh yeah you're there and then I just sit down and play and sometimes I sing sometimes I don't and um yeah and just like prayer starts to form and um just really like experience the spirit of God in my life and usually those moments happen when I'm like super stressed and overwhelmed and then it's like God's gentle reminder like I am here Lauren come to me I'm waiting for you so those moments and then um I kind of call them like I I don't keep a gratitude journal like I really should and I love gratitude journals but I don't keep one so (laughs) um I feel like God gives me snapshots um so it might be like I can remember one like so clearly I was like we have this overhead door in our barn that like opens up to the outside so like in the summer and spring we keep that open like where we milk the cows and um just I was standing there I don't know if I was milking or whatnot but I just looked over and I saw my kids playing in a puddle like so delighted and so joyful and um in those moments I just feel like God is like giving me snapshots of like his grace and goodness and then I I really feel like these reminders like here Lauren like here I am and like I can't help but be be thankful long answer that's really beautiful (laughs) I'm just sitting yeah I just love he I love this question because everybody has a different answer but yeah it's all God's grace in the way that like he is beautiful and he is complex and so to hear how you connect with him and those like through your kids through music is really beautiful um you have an incredible gift in music and I always look so forward to the if gathering because you lead worship there and this is actually the first time that Lauren and I are meeting each other in person but I've known who you are for a few years now because um you've led worship in a few in a few different places um and I was thinking about it and you have an amazing gift of making people feel at home as you lead worship um at least I do so thank you for that that's really kind thank Mm, you mm -hmm. How has God grown you through your passion for worship and music? So, well, thank you for saying that because when I first, I kind of started doing like this local if gathering of women with my sister-in-law. She's like, you have to do the worship. And I'm like, I don't feel qualified. Mm. Um, (laughs) But anyways, so I'm really trying to step into the season of being like, you know what? God's asking me to do this or other people are and I'm just going to expect that God equips me um, to do it. Anyways, uh, growing up, so my mom was like, you're learning piano because I never learned piano and I'm so mad I didn't learn piano and I had to do it. Oh, and I hated it. Like I would have screaming matches with the piano. Um, I can get like, I don't know if I should admit this, but sometimes I can, I have a bit of a, a temper. Um, not, I try to direct it healthily now, but as a child, I wasn't always that great at directing my my anger so oftentimes it would be with the piano and I would get into screaming matches with the piano but over time through discipline um it got a lot better and I I do have to admit even though I didn't always want to do it my mom was very much she would very often say like 
oh, Lauren, you're going to play piano for this. Or, oh, Lauren, like, you get to play piano at church. I'm like, no, but I don't want to. <laughs> um, and I did. And that really grew me because, you know, the more you do something, the less intimidating it becomes. Um, so, yeah, discipline of music when I was a kid. Um, so I would say now um, I used to really love leading worship I guess because I really liked singing and you know there's always this aspect of getting to be on the stage and you know people coming up to you and be like oh good job wow thanks so much for doing that um but I would say the last five to ten years maybe a bit more I always forget how old I am but um <laughs> maybe like you know late high school early young adulthood um I really began to think of the gift of worship in um, music in my life, you know, the parable of the talents in, in uh, it's in uh, Matthew, Matthew 25, you know, the master has these three servants. He's like, I'm going away and, you know, I'm going to give each of you some money. They all get different amounts and they all kind of do different things with them. So like one guy, he takes his money and he goes and works and he grows the money like he gets even more profit and uses the money to make more money same with another guy but then the last guy he takes the money (laughs) and he goes and he digs a hole and buries it and then the master comes back and he sees like you know the first guy got more money second guy did some work to get some more money and the third guy's like what did you do he's like oh like I was like kind of nervous so I took the money I dug a hole and buried it (laughs) and obviously the master's like ugh why would you do that? Like, so lame. So for me, I often think about that. Like, I try to think in the concept of, or the reality, I guess, that God has given me a gift. Sometimes I try to deny it. (laughs) And sometimes I'm not always comfortable saying that. Like, as I get older, I'm really trying to be like, yes, this is a gift from God. This is from God. This is from God. I need to use it. And um, so, you know, like the first few guys in this parable, like I need to put work into it. And, um, you know, so like that would have been lessons growing up. And then I studied music in uh, university. Um, but also, you know, like being with God, doing that work and um, the work in myself too, that, you know, worship becomes not about me worship becomes about my creator the one who's given me the gift and um, using that for his glory and then I also really think often um, people who ever talk to me about worship might be sick of this story but um, I really often think about the Old Testament um, where the Israelites and Hebrews would they needed to sacrifice to God like they had to you know like raise these animals feed these animals and then take their best animal like their best milking cow maybe I don't know their most meaty goat and make an altar and sacrifice that animal to God or like their first fruits like their best olives or best grapes I don't know what did they grow their best wheat and burn it for God and saying like you know what God this isn't mine from the first place like you gave this to me And, um, yeah, like in Hebrews, it says through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. And that's how I often try to view worship, especially the worship 
service because I'm quite involved in planning worship services um, that this is a sacrifice back to God. So when I'm playing, when I'm singing, you know, who I'm organizing to be part of it, this is our best. This is our first fruits for him. And um, he's really grown me in that sense that like, and I, I pray this prayer. Sometimes it's empty. I, it's not always, and I really hope it's never empty prayer, but unfortunately sometimes it is because I'm sinful, but yeah, God, like this is a worship service for you. So please lessen me and you just like you and your spirit, just go be at work in me go because this is all for you. Wow, that's so good. Jen and I always joke, and someone even made a comment one time we were asking them, <laughs> is that people share these things and we're like, so good. Wow. But I think we're both, well, I say Jen is, is quite sentimental, and she's really like, I feel like I've learned that from her too, and I've become this like very sentimental person, and people say things, and I just sit here, and I'm just like, wow. Wow. <laughs> I love all the sentiments. Oh, no, it's so good. I love that idea, and I think... Um, one of the things that I think I'm learning about is about how we sometimes like overcomplicate like faithfulness to God. Like I think I've had so many conversations with students about this lately of like, when I was a teenager, I thought serving God meant I would have to stand up in my cafeteria and preach the gospel to all of the kids in my class. Like, and I was like, man, I don't really know if I was willing to do that. And I would feel really guilty about those things. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm ever going to do this if I can't. That's how I felt like it had to be these really, really big kind of, um, <laughs> no worries, um, these big dramatic things. And I think that idea of, you know, the talents, it's there you need it <laughs> um I think that's such a good picture because you know what I'm learning and what I'm being and being like God's put this thing or this opportunity in front of you and so being faithful with that and and so yeah I just I love that and that idea of you know God has handed something to you and what you use with it is more powerful than you know I think sometimes we try to do like really I'm I can maybe like resonate a little bit with you. Like I love dramatic gestures. And so yes. <laughs> sometimes my like small faithfulness doesn't feel like enough in my uh, head. Yes. And totally. so, yeah, I love that idea of just saying like, this is what God's given you. And so how you use it is really important. So um, I love that. And I'm going to continue with another difficult question. I Lay it on. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren said to me, she was like, man, these are hard questions. And I was like, yeah. Uh, Jen, Jen kind of, kind of, I mean, we came up with a big list of questions that we could kind of dig from with people and kind of catered people. And um, you're like, let's give all the hard ones to this, like, <laughs> unqualified. <laughs> like, everyone that I've been listening to your podcast lately, you've had, like, um, a doctor, you've had someone from Canadian Idol, you've had, like, all these, like, super qualified, like, and pastors, and it's like, here, let's get this little, like, farmer's wife up on here, so... Thanks, but well, I guess it's encouragement <laughs> from you that we don't see you as just a farmer's <laughs> wife. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, yeah. you've already been like mic dropping this whole time. So, but yeah, no, Jen, Jen, like this is my real life. Like, I feel like I get to have other people know what it's like to be friends with Jen because this is my real life where she asks me these kinds of hard questions, and I'm like, um, <laughs> that's <laughs> a good friend to have. <laughs> it's true. It is so good for me. It's, Jen's it just sitting in the corner me. here having a very sentimental moment. <laughs> so. <laughs> But do you ask them back? 
sometimes. To Jen? I do mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. I would say yeah. And she's like, well, we're both verbal processors, but her a lot so. So she's really great at coming up with lots of things to answer anyway. So. <laughs> wow. <thanks. laughs> wow. <laughs> that's so. good. The mm-hmm. friendship like that is like, wow, that's really good. Yeah. We're thankful for each other. <laughs> Not just work friends. <laughs> <laughs> that's where this all comes from. So anyway, the hard question I have for this one is what has been the hardest lesson for you to learn? Um, hardest lesson to learn. I, um, like I said, I was like a big dreamer and romanticizer. I'm also someone that like has very high expectations, high expectations for myself and for people who I'm in relationship with, whether that be like my spouse or, um, friends, family. Um, but that being said, I think I really had to learn, I might cry at some point. So just the sentimental girl in the corner (laughs) may just love that um I'm I, I cry I love feelings so I had to really let go of a lot of dreams and um I know we live in this culture where it's like you know make your dreams happen and if you dream it like you can do it and it's all about you and your dreams and what you want for your life and I guess I would say I don't really feel like that's true in my life um I have a beautiful life I love my life but I there's like a now looking back, I can see like this buildup of events of all these things that didn't turn out like how I had dreamed. Um, and that's okay. It's okay to let, you know, dreams die. And I wouldn't say I've stopped dreaming. As I became an adult, like I really had to let go of my pride and what, you know, this pride of like, oh, my life and I'm this way. So I should have this kind of life. And this is what life should look like for me. Um, so first of all, I went to university for a year. I went to University of Waterloo, great place, but wasn't necessarily like great for me. Um, I like I said, I thought I was going to be like a lawyer and I grew up in a family where it's like, um, which I'm so grateful for. But it's like, you know, you got you got to get a job and you need to think about what you want to do and you need to have like a plan. And I thought, wow, like, wouldn't that be so impressive if I become a lawyer and like have this great, important job and. I'm sure that will really impress people, but I didn't really uh, love the, um, took like political science and business was like, wow, I, I hate these courses. (laughs) (laughs) They are so not life giving Mm. to me. I'm sure someone loves them. Um, I did not. So, um, I actually entered, I don't know if I want to call it a depression looking back, but it's like not a midlife crisis, but like a crisis in a sense. I was like, who am I? Like, what is going on here? What is the plan for my life? I have no idea. And I felt really out of control. I met great people. I had great, great friends there. Um, and I kind of like was walking back from class one day and it was like, Lauren, you're going to go to such and such a university and you're going to study music and French. And I was like, looking. I didn't look over my shoulder, but I was like, wow. And I felt so much at peace. And I was like, that was God. I, it wasn't like an audible voice. I know some people hear God like as an audible voice. It was just like this thought entered my head. And I was like, yeah, of course I'm doing that. That makes total sense. And um, I felt at peace. And then I ended up registering to go to a Christian university. I vowed I would never go to because <laughs> I went to Christian high school. Like everyone went there. And I was like, I don't want to go there. Not for me. I want to do something bigger, better. Like, you know, that pride in me um, saying that, you know, I was... I guess essentially, if I'm going to be blunt, I was too good for it. And I'm not. Um, 
So that was like the one thing that like shifted for me, uh, like a dream change. And then, of course, like I changed and I loved it. I was in a relationship with my husband at the time and um, we ended up going to the same university for a couple of years. But he ended up switching out because he chose like a different path. Um, university wasn't for him. And we got married when I was 21 in university. I think I had two years left because I was doing teacher's college and we had no money, like really no money. Um, we lived in this tiny apartment on campus and, um, I, like I said before, like I had all these plans for my life, like to live abroad and stuff. And I didn't get to do a semester abroad like I had hoped, but that was my choice because I chose to get married. And, um, but I was still like, we can still make the 15 country mark by the time I'm 30, (laughs) (laughs) we can do it all. And, um, and I guess I kind of just expected that, like, I would have like, what I, I could buy what I wanted to buy like I was really immature like you guys are past 21 right yeah. okay mm-hmm. <sighs> like getting married at 21 that was very young and now I look at my kids I'm like wow that's like not that far away and I'm very glad I did get married at 21 but we had so much growing up to do and we got to do that together which was like a super pro to the con which was like being really young and immature um anyway so we did that we moved, we kind of got established into our jobs. And then again, I was, I was teaching, um, French immersion and I was like, wow, maybe I'll be a principal someday. Like always like shooting for like the top. And, um, (laughs) and I got pregnant. Like I'm laughing now. I was so shocked. Um, I was, I mean, lots of people have now said to me like, Lauren, you know how babies are made. Like, how can you be (laughs) shocked? But I was shocked. Um, I remember like laugh crying in the mirror after I'd taken the test before my husband had come home from work and like looking at myself and saying like, is this the face of a mother? (laughs) 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 I could not deal with it. Um, so again, like something I didn't really like choose, but then I was like, okay, like maybe we can't go to 15 countries. Like maybe it will just like look a little bit different, but I can still like go get my master's and do all these things. Um, I got surprised pregnant again, (laughs) not too long later. Um, so we had like two kids really close in age and then we lived in, um, Woodstock at the time, Woodstock, Ontario. We went to this church that we loved. We had friends that we loved. We were part of a youth group that we loved. I had a job I loved. My husband had a job we loved. And then like my in-laws came over one day and they're like, Hey, um, there's a farm for sale down the road from our house. I'm like, Oh, cool. And they're like, well, do you think you'd, like, want to do that? <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know. So we went to look at it. and I was like, no way. Um, six months later, the farm is still for sale. So we uh, we move. Like, and then all of a sudden, like, we moved. I had a baby, my second child, like, um, a month early. I quit my job. We left our church. We left our friend group. I mean, they were only an hour away. But, yeah. And we moved back to this area. Like, and I had said when I was in high school and lived here, I'm like, I am never coming back to Listowel. <laughs> Good riddance. <laughs> and um, it was like even worse. I ended up with an address in Palmerston. <laughs> and if you live in Listowel, like, you know, like Palmerston's end of w- the earth. Like people that I worked with in Woodstock were like, Palmerston? You mean Palmerston? Like they even knew <laughs> what a bad reputation Palmerston has. Um, anyways, I felt super trapped. And even though we had prayed about the decision and we kind of knew, well, we knew it was the right decision for our family. I felt super trapped. And this is my long way of coming around to um, 
your answer, what's been the hardest lesson to learn? I walked through a season of, um, yeah, I walked through a season of anxiety and depression after my second daughter was born. And um, I felt like, I felt like living, but I didn't feel like living my life. I didn't feel like, I was like, seriously, like, you know, like, God, I was like, willing to do so many big grandiose things for you and like you've set me in like this little like wall we have like a farm so it's like pretty wide open but and we have land but it just felt like so little and I was like this is it and I had to die to a lot of pride in that too because I mean I've met so many beautiful people here so many women who farm with their husbands and like they work their butts off and they are so faithful to God and I think God really reworked in me um, this idea that I was too good for certain things. And the reality is I'm not. I would say for about a good six months, I'm like more of a visual person. Um, I don't know why this visual, but you know, like those culverts that run under roads, Mm -hmm. right? Or like from ditch to ditch. I just like when I look back, I honestly felt like I was in one of those dark culverts on my belly army crawling through like seeing that light at the end and like trying to get there but like sometimes I just wanted to to give up and be like no I quit I don't want this life like maybe I'll just go somewhere else and try something different which obviously didn't work because I had two children and a husband and we just stepped into this huge responsibility of like caring for lots of animals and a farm and um it was dark it was very dark for me um Anyways, through medication and counseling, like, wow, like, God did such, (laughs) such a work of healing in my life. Um, That's, like, something I will never tire of telling. Like, I'm crying now. (laughs) Going from feeling, like, ugh, just so not yourself, so dark, so lonely, so upset and angry, and, like, God just all of a sudden taking this, like, story, I, I prayed for a year, like, okay, God, like, every moment I thought about it, please, God, make me content with where you've placed me, give me contentment with where I am, and, um, and he did, um, it was actually, like, after, I'm sorry for those that don't know what I'm talking about when I say if gathering, but it was like after this local woman's conference that I had led worship at, like almost a year up to the date that we had moved. And I was driving home, looking at our farm, and prior to these days and moments, um, every time I like would drive home, I like felt a pang of like, I don't want to drive in here. I don't want to go home to this. And at that moment, like I was driving up because you kind of go up a little bit of a hill and I was looking at it and I was like wow this is my home this is where I'm meant to be and and enjoy in that and that's why I would say like you know I talked about these snapshots that snapshots that God um gives me then I started experiencing these moments that I like I was like God was saying Lauren look look at this goodness here look at this goodness here look at this great thing I have for you here look at what look at what I have for you and um, really dying to myself and saying, like, wow, God, this life that you've given me is <laughs> even better than my wildest dream. And, um, yeah, so, like, over time, 
my prayer first it was like god give me contentment where i am like with where you've placed me then it became um because i felt like i had to lose so many dreams and like lost so much control over what i wanted for my life it was it became god can the dreams for my life like i don't want those anymore give me your dreams for my life and um yeah, it kind of gave me this fundamental shift in how I viewed my relationship with God from like, you know, an immature one of being very transactional, being very like self-oriented to being like, whoa, this God that I love and serve and I know he is so holy and he is so in control and experiencing the freedom of that has been um, really wonderful. So like I had this journal and on the journal it says, um, he will give you the desires of your heart. That's from a quotation from Psalm 37. But first, the psalmist says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I would always look at that journal and be like, oh, God's not giving me the desires of my heart. Like, why not? <laughs> and um, now I'm like, no, I'm delighting in the Lord and what the Lord's desires are for me. And then, th I mean, this could be bad theology. I am so sorry, but this is how I view it. Um, you know, the prayer became, God, give me your dreams for my life. And also, God, may the desires of my heart be your desires of my heart. Mm. Um, but that is a very long way <laughs> of um, explaining the hardest lesson I learned. I don't want to say so good. I'm trying <laughs> all my mind. I, I think I really resonate. As, as you're sharing, I'm like, ooh, Ainsley. A lot of people can resonate with that storyline. But I think the, like, moving to Palmerston, I <laughs> relate to that. I'm not Palmerston, but I grew up in Elmira. And Listwell was, like, I have a few relatives in this area. That's it. It was kind of seen as a hole in the ground. Or if you needed to buy a car, then you'd come to Listwell, potentially. Right. Or Waterloo, like, whatever. Um. But the way that he shifts his, our, uh, I don't even know how to say it. Like exactly what you said, like our desires to serve him through really painful processes is not fun. But looking back on it, it's just like, yeah, that worship piece. It's like, oh God, like I thought that I had it all together. And time and time again, he reminds me that I do not. So thank you for sharing that because like people who listen to this, I mean, like, high school students listen to this young adults parents like my mom yes <laughs> <laughs> she probably would be like the only person that I know that listens to this hi mom thank you <laughs> Melinda yes but so we have like a wide range of people listening to it but I think this story and this lesson that you just shared is something that people can re really resonate with because after you graduate high school it doesn't get easier if no. you get married, it doesn't get easier. If you live a super adventurous single life, it doesn't get easier. Mm. And yeah, that's the story of God of redeeming what is broken and making it really beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. No, thank you. We're going to switch gears a little bit here. Yeah. Tell us the story of how you met your husband. Um, how did your relationship with him start to shift what you thought your life was going to look like? You kind of touched on it a little mm. bit. Yeah, so I, I can go into a lot of detail here. We um, we met for the very first time. My family was moving to Listwell, so I used to live, like, on the other side of Toronto, like, on the edge of the GTA. I think now it would be considered GTA. Um, so, like, not a huge city, but, like, pretty, like, decent-sized place, lots of stores, whatever. 
what every middle school girl likes um is around and then my family's like oh we're moving to like this place called Listwall. i'm like what what is that place <laughs> and they're like oh and uh, we would drive here on weekends while was, my parents were building the house i'm like this place mm, definitely thumbs down um <laughs> and i went to kingdom bound with some people from Listwall. um you guys know Kingdom Mound, like the outdoor amusement park thing. And um, with some people from a church here that my parents were like attending kind of on and off while we were moving here. And um, I was there with some kids my age. I was in the eighth grade at the time and they were going on this like super spinny ride. I hate those. Like they make me so sick, um, like teacups or I don't know what it was. But so they're like, oh, if you don't want to go, like here's this guy, Hilbert. He moved once. Maybe you guys can talk about it. So I was like, oh, hey, hey. And he was pretty quiet. He's like, and I asked him, um, so like, what's it like to move? And it turns out he like moved from a whole different country. Um, So we talked about that a bit. Didn't really talk to him or pay any attention to him until we started high school. We were on the same bus. So we're actually high school sweethearts. I don't know if I'd said that yet, but I'm saying that now. And which is really weird as a parent because (laughs) when I was in high school, everyone's like, don't date in high school. Like, sorry. I should rephrase that. If you grew up at the same time as me going to youth group, I pretty much everyone was saying, don't date in high school, which I will say now is probably wise advice because it's coming from older people who who have been through it and kind of maybe know better. But I thought, yeah, right. They don't know better. I'm 16 (laughs) and I know best. Um, So we actually started dating in high school. Not right away. Like I we had a long bus ride because we went to school in um, Kitchener, Waterloo area. And um, I remember like I walked on that bus because I was this new girl and um, there's only about four of us from our class, two, two or three boys and another girl. Anyways, I walked on the bus and I was like, yeah, I hate farmers. And he was a farmer. And so like that just blew like any opportunity of friendship with anyone from this area for a couple years. <laughs> Very poor choice of words. Um Anyways, we ch- we chatted on MSN sometimes, and he was rude back to me, and then we apologized on MSN. And um, <laughs> if you don't know what MSN is, like I don't know what would you call it, like pre-texting. I yes. don't even know. But you would like chat on the computer, like Facebook Messenger almost. Yeah. But like I don't know, more ancient. Um, <laughs> so we talked a lot on MSN, and like over time, like. It kind of, like, grew, and, like, I remember we would be in the same classes sometimes, and, like, I'd catch wafts of his, like, axe spray. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wow, like, wow, what a, what a good smell. Um, And then sometimes I would even wear his sweater, which smelled like his axe spray, and I was like, "Mm, this guy has a lot good going for him. Like, he smells good. He wears name brand hoodies that sometimes I get to wear. (laughs) Anyways, ugh. All the important things. (laughs) All the important things you think about when you're like 15, 16. And anyways, so he actually asked me out via MSN for a date. Classic. Once. Um, And we went to Listwell Theater. This was our first date. I'm not sure if you care about this, but we went to Listwell Theater, watched the movie Zathura. But he forgot his wallet, so, like, I pay for everything. And then we drove around for, like, three hours because there's nothing to do in this wall. <laughs> and the movie was done at, like, 8 p.m. And I was like, I don't want to go home. Like, that's kind of lame. It's our first date. And then we just – I just talked to him. Like, he's pretty um, good, like, silent, strong listening type. So I we just talked for a long time. And, um, yeah, that's how that started. 
we officially became a couple after a high school dance, and we dated for a few years. Then when we went to different um, universities out of high school, we did break up for a couple months. I would say that's where I was really, like, um, before we got back together, because I was really like, oh, what's my plan? Like, where am I going? I don't know what I'm doing. I talked about that earlier. And um, I had a friend say to me, like, Lauren, if you're going to do this now, she wasn't even a Christian. She's like, you need to realize, like, you have to be, like, in it, in the relationship. Like, you can't be selfish anymore. Like, you can't take advantage of him. Like, and I was like, wow, yeah. So I guess I kind of knew when we got back together, like, that marriage was on the horizon. Um, anyways, yeah, we got married at 21. Like, I was super immature and selfish looking back now. I remember, like, going around to places, like, to get ready for my wedding, and they'd be like, you're getting married? How old are you? I'm, like, 21. And I'm like, what a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> so reassuring. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, whatever. Like, we're totally in love. And we were, and we still are. Um, but marriage? So I thought that once we got married, like, life would be bliss. And, um, you know, I get to go shopping when I wanted. Like, I wouldn't really have to do any cleaning or cooking. And <laughs> I don't know who was going to do it. <laughs> So, um, it really was like an eye opener that, you know, we had to work hard at things. We had to work hard at communicating. Um, we had to work hard at serving one another. Um, and you know, we had to work hard at like being intimate together. Cause that was like a whole new, like a whole nother level. I don't know if you like to talk about this on the podcast, but like growing up in youth group culture, like you know, we saved ourselves for marriage and you just watch TV and you think that you're going to get married and like things are just going to be awesome and rocking in the bed. And <laughs> it took work. Like if we're being honest, don't worry. I asked my husband before I came on this, if there's <laughs> anything I can't say. And he's like, uh, no, he's like, people are pretty, people know you're pretty open. So, um, so yeah, that took work. And, um, that whole like emotional, spiritual, physical balance of, all of a sudden, you know, we spent like almost all the time together prior to this, but now we live together. And um, I mean, I remember thinking, I'm like, wow, I know why people get divorced now because I didn't want to be divorced. But I realized like, yeah, this is so much work. I don't mean to scare you. Um, but that being said, like I am so glad that I have him in my life to do life with like someone that knows me so intimately someone that um you know can predict like my movements oh can predict oh this temper means this could result in that so I'm gonna like intervene and talk about talk through some things with her um yeah like I would honestly say like the last five years like the joy I've had in my marriage from doing some of that hard work and working and growing and being honest with each other and communicating with each other and putting each other first before ourselves. I mean, we don't always do that. Obviously, like we do stupid things and say stupid things. But um, yeah, I mean, I am so thankful for that part of my life and that journey I've been on with him. Um, you have four kids and they are very cute. And um, a privilege of the mine cutest. is being on Lauren Corson's Instagram close friends <laughs> list. Ainsley will show me. She's like, oh my gosh, Jen, look at what Lauren posted. Like silly TikToks and stuff like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're Jen, so cute. you know what? If you follow me, I can add you to the close friends list. <gasps> I can make this exception. 
Wow. I I love it. Like particularly like Ruby, your youngest daughter. Yeah, she's is, three, yeah. She's wild. She's so <laughs> funny and I I just enjoy it. Um so yeah, I just wanted to ask you about that because yeah, you now have four kids. So just um talk about, you know, what's something that surprised you about motherhood specifically? Yeah. Um I'm going to be honest. I'm not really a kid person. Um, like when I was growing up and people were like, do you want to babysit my kids? And I was like, no. Um, but my mom would be like, of course she'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll play the piano. <laughs> <laughs> like I, re- I babysat kids once and then the, like their daughter, the one girl told me, she's like, you don't make macaroni and cheese how my mom makes it. And I was like, man, like, <laughs> mm, I really had to bite my tongue there. So I, um, and I became a teacher. Wow. Um. I do love children, but I think what has really surprised me about motherhood is actually how much I love being a mom and I love my kids. Um, Of course, I don't know. I guess I expected that I would, but for some reason, when you're like given these like tiny humans to care for, like when they're given to you after that nine months of having them inside you and like killing you from the inside, they um, come out and give them to you and you're like, Oh my goodness, it's like my heart is outside my body. Like the most cliche thing to say, but it's true for me. Um, so, and I think this concept too, that like when you have a spouse and you love each other so much and then that love creates like a human, I don't know, blows my mind. I think though what has surprised me about being a parent is like living in this juxtaposition of like pulling close and letting go I already am experiencing that um and you know like this disciplining your children and preparing your children like knowing that one day they're not going to be a part of your life well they're not going to be in your home anymore um and it really is like in a sense your heart (laughs) outside your body is so cliche but like you just watch them and like my oldest she's pretty timid and um she's growing in that but you know like watching her experiencing the world and like being like oh like when your heart hurts when their heart hurts in some ways I mean not always when they're crying about like wanting a different color cup like I don't really care what color cup you want but um yeah so just really I don't know I don't think I'm like I'm not the right person to ask for advice like I feel like my approach to motherhood is like I have these humans I love them I'm going to do my best for them. They're probably going to end up in therapy someday (laughs) because I'm going to mess up. Like that's a big fear I have is like disciplining or saying something in a way that they're going to like hold with them until they're like 45 like and sitting on the therapist's couch being like, my mom said this and I've never been able to let it go. And I I do. (laughs) I have concerns, real concerns about that. That's why my husband's very good. He's like, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Um. So yeah, I have this like I have this fear of letting go and I feel like I could mess them up, but there's a grace of God in that too, right? Because um no matter how much we fail, he welcomes us back with open arms. And um I think though the biggest thing has taught me is like service and you know, powering through mundane tasks and activities. Like honestly, the amount like my son is almost one, so he's like feeding himself on his like high chair tray, right? And, like, the amount of food he just, like, throws off his tray and, like, the amount of times I'm, like, sweeping things up or, like, doing these super boring things that I (laughs) wouldn't wish on many people. But, like, 
you know, recognizing that these are like service moments and that in these beautiful mundane moments, well, that these mundane moments can be beautiful. And they are. And the simplicity of just being home together as a family and spending time with one another um, and being present with them. Um, it's really encouraged me to slow down and to just embrace simplicity. How has motherhood changed your understanding of identity? I think as I personally have gotten older, I have a whole new appreciation for my parents, especially when I first moved out. I'm like, oh, they actually did a lot and a lot of behind the scenes things. And it's really cool having like an actual friendship with them now. But I see my dad is a was a long haul truck driver and my mom raised three girls like he would be gone for a week, week and a half at a time. And so having a new hopefully more mature understanding of of like the sacrifice and the actual work it took to do that I have a whole new appreciation for my parents and how difficult that probably was for both of them Mm -hmm. um and that sense of identity too where your whole world kind of revolves around taking care of these little people so yeah how has motherhood changed your understanding of identity for you personally right I'd say like there has been a shift in my approach to motherhood, especially after my second daughter was born. I think I at the beginning, I kind of like viewed it in this selfish approach, like, oh, like I don't get to do this now or oh, I have to be home like for this. This is going to be sound so selfish. And it is. It is selfish. But I hope it doesn't come across as as being really horrible mother. But I remember like with my first being like sitting at like you know I like was nursing her and I'm like wow I can only leave my house for like one hour at a time because then I'm gonna have to like feed her again and I just kind of like um I think as a mother it's really easy to enter into this mindset of martyrdom and it's true like mothers do like in a traditional family sense and not for everyone but in my family growing up and in my family now they take on a brunt of you know the typical mother load um in the in the brain for the family um and just thinking like, oh man, like, wow, waking up to the reality of that and almost feeling a bit of martyrdom, like, oh, poor me, I can't go do anything because like I'm a mom and I have to be home for this and I have to make sure I do this for my child. And um, and it's true, like, there are elements of that that's really hard because you, your time isn't your own time anymore. Um, but I think what I've come to terms with now is like being a mother for me, is not my identity. And um, it's part of my identity, of course, but I've really come into the confidence of my identity coming from Christ these past through, uh, past few years and freedom in that. Like, yes, I am Lauren. I am wife. I am mother. I am kind of farmer. Not really. <laughs> um, I am a worship leader, but like I am an image bearer of Christ, and that's where my identity comes from. So, um that's also given me like a really big confidence boost, I guess, in myself. Um, I think after having babies, actually like every time, like I go through like this big dip of confidence, whether it be from hormones, I don't know. I'm not really like a scientist or really well read in that, but, um, just like not feeling like, Oh, I'm just like a mom, but rather now being like, wow, I'm like, a mom and I get to have these kids I get to like um have my husband and I get to serve God and I get to lead worship and there's all these other things that I get to do and I know my schedule and my routine in my life like I have family close by that can um 
help, you know, with watching kids quite easily because my husband's like schedule is somewhat flexible during the day. Like he can be around, which like enables me to do things like this, um, record this podcast. And I know it looks different for everyone else, but I just, I really feel like there's been this, and I don't know, this is really going off base of your question, but this whole idea as like poor moms, like, oh, we have to do all this stuff and we need to really make sure we care about ourselves and self-care. And I do, I do think it is so important to take care of yourself, like spiritually and physically and emotionally. But we, I think it's unhealthy to become martyrs in that. Like I know I think at the beginning of motherhood, I became a bit of a martyr, like in my martyr and motherhood. Um, I don't know. And um, realizing that, yeah, like, of course you get to go do your job if you want to go do your job outside of the house and of course like going for a walk or doing having time alone that's really important but I really sense like a sh- like in our culture like putting um self-care as like an idol especially for mothers and and pe- women my age and um I just really hope that we identify ourselves as image bearers of Christ first and find our confidence and hope in that rather than trying to like eat up this like culture of self-care and self-love because I feel like for me when I've begun to have confidence in my identity in Christ it just allows me to experience so much freedom in who I am in that motherhood is a part of that but it's not like the defining feature of me. Um, I tend to be somebody who puts a lot of my emphasis and my worth in what I do versus who I am. And I think that's something I'm really learning of like, we do things, but that's not all that I am. Like I am very much a product of a bunch of things working together and, and, and finding identity in Christ, I think allows for freedom and all those things. So, um, I really appreciate what you said. And I know that, you know, you're talking about how motherhood specifically taught you that, but I think that we all resonate with that in our own ways. Like I think students can resonate with that a lot of that figuring out like who I am and like hopefully being able to learn that when we're younger and how that can like, yeah, just really help with the trajectory of what's to come. Kind of still on this topic of um, marriage and, and motherhood, how would you say that marriage and motherhood has refined you I know you touch on that a little bit but if there's anything kind of specific that you feel like really refined you I would say like you know when um when Christ says that like we need to die to our old selves I I think that has given me like an actual real life example being um, a mom and a wife like that I need to die to my my flesh um which if I'm gonna rephrase this like dying to like my selfish tendencies um and you know putting others before myself and I don't mean that in a sense like again like poor me like I have to do all these things for other people no like for me I'm learning that it's just like a joy to get to do those things like I still get to do things I enjoy and I still make time for those things um but it's giving me this real life lesson of like okay I'm I'm dying to myself like I really feel like just going and sitting on my couch and binge watching um I don't know the latest thing on Netflix but really like I need to feed my children and do these things I don't feel like doing always but obviously I need to care for them and love them and um you know so doing things when I don't feel like doing them I think that's like been the basic lesson for me for marriage and motherhood like 
serving people when I don't feel like serving them. Um, and yeah, same with, same goes with my spouse, like helping him sometimes like in the barn. I haven't had to do that much lately since he's like, has people like working with him now, but when I don't feel like helping him, um, he's actually been like a very good person, um, in teaching me that lesson. Like he will do like the grungiest jobs and like the grossest jobs and he doesn't complain. And, um, so that's been a really big lesson to me, like appreciating the mundane in the slow days in the, you know, the moments that don't seem significant, but realizing that, you know, every moment, every breath that God gives us is significant in that, you know, I get to change diapers and make food and put chicken nuggets in the oven sometimes. And I don't really feel like making something nice. Um, and uh, that there's grace in those moments from God and that I'm serving my family and I'm serving Christ. COVID-19 has been hard <laughs> to say the least in a lot of different ways. Ainsley and I are both single and we've talked a lot about this, but the challenges of how this whole past year has been as people who are single, um, mm-hmm. it, it's challenging. And, and for parents, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of layers for everyone, but for parents too, who are homeschooling and who are working from home and it's a lot. So how would you encourage parents who are having a really difficult time in this season and not just like a season where it's like a couple weeks, but a season that is like over a year now? Um, so I'm going to say what I think and um, I just encourage if there are parents listening, I'm let me take what I'm saying with a grain of salt because I feel like we can read blogs or we can see what other families and mothers or parents are doing and think that we need to adapt it for our own life. And the biggest one of the biggest things I've learned too in being a parent is that um you know, you need to find what works for you and your family. Like when you welcome a new baby into your home, you, your baby comes and you need to like work on adapting that baby to your own family and how your family works and jives. And so I would say first, like give yourself grace and do what works for you. And um, don't compare to, you know, what this person's doing like on Instagram or what this person's doing. Like the amount of people that I see like doing these awesome, like, blog activities that they found like on a parenting blog site with their kids I'm like wow like I bought water beads for my kids I don't know if you know what water beads are and like they're still sitting like in a container in my shower because I don't know where to put them anyway don't compare yourself to what other families or you know are doing you need to find a system that works for your family second biggest thing I found especially for me um I've gotten better at it now but I always have to do bedtime alone because of cows um and my husband's often milking cows in the evenings. And that was a big adjustment for me when we first started farming, doing bedtime alone. And um, obviously now I'm used to it, but I would pray like every day, okay, God, bedtime's coming. Can you give me the strength to do bedtime well? And, um, you know, praying through all these like little moments that seem insignificant. Like I did the other day, I came home, I was like, trying to put groceries away and like I had one crying child and I had another one like having to go to the washroom and it, it was me and them and this like it seemed like chaos and I was like trying to do stuff and I was like honestly I was about to break out into tears or like just scream at the top of my lungs and I was like no pray okay God give me grace to get through this moment 
help me to get things organized, like help me to just, you know, and I just pray through all these little moments. And I think often we forget that prayer is like right there and that we can just pray, ask God quick and, um, for help. And I would say like, if you are really struggling, I know for me, like I started seeing, um, a counselor again, just for, um, my own benefit, I guess. And, to, you know, like work through some things that maybe I guess I didn't feel like I worked through last time I saw a counselor a few years ago, but just to be a healthy version of myself and give your permission, yourself permission to do those things. And if you are feeling really down and blue, like make sure you reach out to your doctor, make sure you talk to someone about it, make sure you know you're not alone and be honest with yourself with how you're feeling. If you're feeling like this is really hard and it's too hard, that's okay. Like I think it is really hard and it is too hard and you need to be able to reach out and get help in ways that are available to you. Yeah, I think that's that's really good advice. And it, it's funny because Jen and I kind of have seen how different people have been really struggling with this. And everybody, I think, is really struggling. And it's hard sometimes for me because I'm like, I don't know what it's like to be a mom. And the American Psychological Association did a survey and their kind of conclusions that they've come through is that the the groups of people that are having the hardest time with the pandemic are um, people of color groups, young adults, and uh, parents slash moms of children if they're under 18. And I think out of all the people, like they said, like these people have it the hardest based off of lots of different reasons. Um, and I think it's hard for me because, you know, I could give advice to someone who's in my season of life about how I um, can help and deal with things. But when you have kids at home saying take half the day off and go for a hike is not necessarily <laughs> great advice. No. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate that. And we do have some moms that listen to that. So thank you for that. Um we are in this season on the podcast interviewing all different people. Like you said, we had a, someone from Canadian Idol and we had <laughs> parents and young people and single people and um, missionaries and people who are just followers of Christ in their dairy farms and things like that. And um, we're kind of focusing on this idea of story and how no matter where we're at, that we have a story that God is shaping us with. And so um, this question we have for you that we love to ask people, and that's what story are you hoping to write that will be told about you years down the road? I'm really hoping that um, my life and um, my husband, like that we will be like a team for um, for Christ and, you know, for his great commission um, that we like, you know, go make disciples and I know we've struggled with that like living on a farm like honestly like at the beginning my husband's like I don't see anyone in the day like sometimes he's like not even now because we like I guess there's church now but like during COVID he's like I don't even leave our property usually like he always used to leave the property at least once a week to go to church but like now it's kind of like he doesn't even get to do that always um but yeah, like that we are a team for the kingdom of Christ. Um, that just like my life in our lives, because I see ourselves as a team, are like just like an outpouring of Christ's love. In that, um, through that, you know, people are like, whoa, what's like, what's up with that? Like, why do those people love Jesus so much? And that we get to have those conversations or that, you know, maybe these people see that and be like, maybe I, 
you know, I want to know more about that and want that for my life. Like, honestly, like, that Christ would just use us as a team for, like, the work and completion of his kingdom. I really, like, I love serving um, at our church. I love being part of church. I love Christians. And I just really want to be able to um, share that with people. And I feel like I'm often a failure at that. But I really hope that as I, you know, enter this new decade that people will see that um, there's something more going on in my life and that I get to give that credit back to God. This is our final question. And we ask everyone this. What's the best piece of advice you have been given? The last thing I learned in my last bout of counseling, like I had some sessions. Oh, when would that have been? Like five years? No, my daughter's six today. So yeah, five and a half years ago. And it's that um, you feel what you feel. I um, often felt like, oh, I should feel this way or I should be this like I should feel this way. I should I shouldn't feel this way. And him saying he looked at me and it was such a relief. He's like, you feel what you feel. And um, being okay with our feelings. I know I've said I'm a huge feelings person. I love talking about feelings. I love trying to explain my feelings, which my husband probably gets sick of. But um, but it's more than like. You can't deny your feelings, but it's more than like, what are you going to do with them and and what's going to come from these? So I'm very thankful that our society is moving towards being better when it comes to acknowledging feelings. Like I think of even just when I'm in the school sometimes of seeing how even part of education now is talking about we have feelings and not looking at them as as bad and how actions and feelings are separate. And I think that's um really good and and really hard for people um depending on what your your personality or your upbringing is especially so no that's so good and we just want to say thank you so much for your wisdom i i feel like i knew this would be good like i asked you for a reason so you know but um i think just getting to yeah sit and and have that time to i don't know that i've always had the time to ask you kind of specific questions so um, it's been a joy for me and I know that there's a lot of wisdom that will be yeah resonate a lot with the people who are listening so thank you for your heart thank you for faithfully serving in your space at church and on the farm and with your kids and with people and more people one day when we're not in a pandemic but uh, that will be a good day um, so yeah thank you for yeah being vulnerable and being here on the podcast with us no thank you like honestly it was a huge honor when you asked I was like right away yes um, and then I was like, why did I say yes? <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm really grateful. It was a true honor for me. Consider this your like famous Oprah interview or whatever. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We have more amazing conversations like this coming up that you will not want to miss. So make sure you're subscribed on whichever podcast platform you're using so that you don't miss a Monday episode. You can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Just Work Friends. And if you're enjoying the podcast, feel free to leave a review.